Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, invites you to be the informed patient with the podcast that features experts from Central New York's only academic medical center. I'm your host, Amber Smith. Especially at the change of seasons, people may start feeling their sinuses. Or is it a cold? Sometimes it's not so easy to tell. Here to explain is Dr. Mark Arnold. He's an assistant professor of otolaryngology and communication sciences at Upstate. Welcome to the informed patient, Dr. Arnold. Thank you so much for having me. How common is sinusitis? Sinusitis is really an inflammation or an infection of the sinuses that line our nasal cavity. And I think it's important we first make the distinction between acute and chronic sinusitis. They both have symptoms of nasal congestion, facial pressure or pain and discharge, and sometimes a lack of sense of smell. But acute sinusitis may be a virus or a bacterial infection that lasts for four weeks or less, while chronic sinusitis are symptoms that last for three months or longer. Both of these conditions are very common. About 15% of us get diagnosed with an acute sinus infection every year. It's also the most common reason we get antibiotics prescribed for us in the United States. Chronic sinusitis is also common, about 15% of us. And while it's not as common as things like hay fever or allergic rhinitis, it is actually a little bit more common than things like asthma. So if you get an acute sinusitis every spring, say, and it happens every spring repeatedly, that's still considered acute. It doesn't become chronic just because you seem to always get it every spring. So if the symptoms are about four weeks or less, most commonly, they last between one and two weeks. It's still considered an acute sinus infection if your symptoms resolve between infections, which is important. But certainly, as you're alluding to, certain times of the year, we may be more prone to get sinus infections if things like our allergies flare or we're exposed to certain outdoor pathogens. We may notice that sometimes we get them more commonly at certain times of the year than others. Are men and women affected equally? And do you see any racial disparities in who's affected by sinusitis? Sinusitis, both acute and chronic, affects really everyone throughout social demographics, as well as men and women, as well as people of every race. We do find that women tend to be more affected as far as symptomatology goes by their sinus problem, but still men and women are equally affected. And as far as people of different races, again, everyone is affected. Certainly there are difference in treatment outcomes as well as access to treatment. People who are African-American actually account for about 12% of the U.S. population and the same rate of chronic sinusitis, yet only about 5% of those people end up undergoing surgery for this disease. So there are certainly disparities that we notice, but again, everyone's affected. Is sinusitis contagious from person to person? In the heightened sense of the COVID-19 pandemic, we're always worried about things being contagious. And while an upper respiratory infection certainly has a time period where it can be contagious, where we may or may not be coughing and having fevers, that portion of it certainly can be contagious. But as far as for many people with chronic sinusitis, they've certainly cleared their infection, but still having symptoms. And at that point, they're not really contagious anymore, although people may think they're contagious. Well, let me ask you to go over the symptoms. What are the symptoms of sinusitis? 
So again, uh, we characterize acute sinusitis by symptoms that are four weeks or less, and then chronic sinusitis with symptoms that are 12 weeks or longer. The symptoms really are a nasal discharge, which can be clear, maybe purulent or you can see, as well as nasal obstruction or congestion, kind of that feeling of stuffiness, which is pretty unique to our sinuses and face, and also potentially a lack of sense of smell and fullness or pressure or pain in the sinuses. What about fever? So fever can happen with certain types of acute sinusitis. Most times, acute sinusitis, I would say 90 to 95% of the time, are actually caused by a virus. So we still get those symptoms, and we most often don't have a fever. Sometimes we can get a really bad sinus infection with severe symptoms, severe pain, maybe a change in discharge, maybe a double worsening where your sinuses were acting up and now they've gotten even worse. Those kinds of people may have a bacterial infection in their sinuses. And those people we tend to think may have something like a fever. But I would say most cases of both acute and chronic sinusitis, they may actually never end up having a fever. But a good question. Are there health conditions that make sinusitis more likely? Most patients that I see with both acute and chronic sinusitis don't have an underlying condition, but there certainly are some that make sinusitis more likely. Patients with asthma, for example, we think of our upper airways and our lower airways as being part of the same system. So certainly patients with asthma more likely have inflammation of their lower airways. Similarly, patients with asthma are more likely to have chronic sinusitis, so this makes sense. In addition, patients with allergies, they may have a higher incidence of sinusitis in that they're being triggered. Also, people with immune system problems or immune deficiencies, they certainly don't have the ability to fight sinus infections, so they get them more often. And then finally, there are patients with conditions like cystic fibrosis. That's a problem with the lining of the sinuses as well as a lining of the lower airways, and they have small little cilia that help clear out mucus. And if there are problems underlying that, they can be prone to sinus infections as well. This is Upstate's The Informed Patient Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Smith. My guest is Dr. Mark Arnold, an assistant professor of otolaryngology and communication sciences at Upstate. I'm curious about how sinusitis is diagnosed and how you as a physician go about telling the difference between a bad cold and a sinus infection. Or maybe, I guess, a person could have both at the same time, right? Exactly. You know, the symptoms of a cold and sinusitis can be similar, but there are some distinctions that we can make to help us distinguish the two. Colds typically last just a week or two, while a sinus infections tend to be longer. They may have this period of worsening where their symptoms of congestion, pressure, and drainage just get worse. People often say their symptoms started out with a cold, but then they may go on to develop a sinus infection. Similarly, the discharge with the cold may be clear, but a sinus infection, you may have thick nasal discharge that's yellow or green. Finally, facial pressure or fullness we think is kind of more distinct with a sinus infection. A cold, you know, if you have a cough and otherwise not feeling well, but the real facial pressure we think is distinct to the sinuses. At what point might a person be referred from their primary doctor to a specialist like yourself? 
I see a variety of patients with all sorts of sinus complaints from mild to severe, but patients who have sinus symptoms that aren't resolving with just over-the-counter treatments or home remedies, and those that have a significant disruption in their daily lives due to their sinus symptoms, I think are great patients to be referred to myself or another otolaryngologist. If symptoms last for more than a few months, despite treatments like antibiotics or medical therapies, it could represent a chronic sinusitis. So that's also an indication to see an otolaryngologist and also repeat sinus infections. Again, it's common for us to have one or two sinus infections a year, depending on the person. But if you're having three, four, five, I think it should be time to see an otolaryngologist as well. And finally, I think any patient who has nasal polyps, those represent kind of a severe inflammation in the sinuses. I think all of those people should be evaluated by a neurolaryngologist. They could be polyps. They could be something else. So that would be some time to see one. How would you like people to prepare for a visit with an otolaryngologist? Are there particular questions that you would be asking them that they need to be prepared to answer? So the most important part of a visit with an otolaryngologist or myself in detailing chronic sinusitis is a detailed record of their past, when their symptoms started, what kind of treatments they've been on, such as nasal saline, topical steroids, or antibiotics, and how their symptoms have changed throughout their treatment course. In addition, a detailed sinus history is important if they've undergone any CT scans, bringing those discs or images with them to the visit, as well as any surgeries that they've had in their past. All of those things and their additional questions regarding their sinusitis can make for a productive visit. Well, let's talk about treatment options. And I know it's going to differ depending on the cause and the individual person. But in general, if you remove polyps or if you straighten a deviated septum, for instance, is that meant to eliminate sinusitis? I get this daily from patients. You know, eliminating sinusitis is a long-term career goal of mine, but it really depends on the patient's cause of their underlying sinusitis as well as their response to treatment. For some patients, we can completely eliminate chronic sinusitis. They're free of all their symptoms. They're no longer on really any medical treatment, any sprays or any topical nasal steroids or antibiotics. Yet others truly have a chronic condition that really is refractory or resistant to everything we try, including surgery and expensive medications. Their sinuses may continue to be inflamed. Their sinuses may kind of close off and their polyps may grow back. But yet my goal is to see them along their treatment journey, improve their quality of life, get their lives back with reducing their sinus symptoms. And I would say for most patients, we're able to achieve this, and certainly we work hard to do it. And for those who have allergies, can you or have you been able to see a reduction of symptoms if that person gets their allergies under control? I do treat both allergies and sinusitis. I do try and make a distinction between the two because their treatment paths are a little bit different. And while their symptoms, especially nasal congestion, overlap, I think treating their allergies is a good starting point because that can help reduce their triggers. They can help reduce their both acute and chronic sinus symptoms. I'm curious about whether sinusitis, if it's not treated, does it ever develop into something more dangerous? With certain types of acute sinusitis, if they 
do have severe symptoms, those can go on to develop problems with their sinuses. Our sinuses are located between our eyes and underneath our brain. Very rarely can we have infections that spread to the eyes or infections that spread to the brain. Those are a surgical emergency and often those abscesses and infections need to be treated and drained. Again, most of the time though, sinusitis resolves on its own, even without antibiotic treatment. But if there are severe symptoms, like we discussed, a fever, a double worsening of symptoms, that's certainly an indication to get antibiotic treatment. Is there anything a person can do to reduce their overall risk of getting sinusitis? If we anticipate the seasonal changes and we know that we tend to get sinusitis when the seasons change, can we get ahead of that and try to stop it from happening? There's not a lot that we know about what causes us to develop chronic sinusitis, so it's somewhat hard to know exactly how to prevent it. However, there are certain things we can do that might help and should honestly be practiced for our overall health. The first and foremost would be stop smoking. It's probably the best recommendation I can give to decrease sinonasal inflammation overall. If you know your allergens, things you're allergic to and triggers to your sinusitis, certainly that can be helpful. When you are sick, rest, taking in plenty of fluids, managing stress when you can. Oftentimes, I see patients who get a flare of their symptoms when they're under a particular period of stress and it's maybe their immune system isn't quite functioning right. So I think that's helpful. And like we discussed before, I think prompt treatment of a severe sinus infection is helpful. This includes topical nasal saline sprays, topical nasal steroid sprays, as well as an antibiotic if symptoms are lasting longer than 10 days or if those symptoms are pretty severe. Are there home remedies that you recommend to patients once they have got sinusitis going on? The best treatment is time initially, as most of these infections get better within a couple of weeks. But there are several things we can do at home. Like I discussed, saline rinses can help remove mucus in the nose, help wash away things that are causing inflammation. Many patients like to inhale steam or have a humidifier nearby that can help open things up. Certainly a warm shower can make us feel better. Warm compresses. And of course, staying hydrated, getting rest, and avoiding any irritants that we know that may be causing our symptoms to get worse. Well, Dr. Arnold, I appreciate you making time for this interview. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My guest has been Upstate Assistant Professor of Otolaryngology and Communication Sciences, Dr. Mark Arnold. The Informed Patient is a podcast covering health, science, and medicine, brought to you by Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, and produced by Jim Howe. Find our archive of previous episodes at upstate.edu informed. This is your host, Amber Smith, thanking you for listening.